You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Morning, church. Today's reading will be from John 15, verse 1 to 18. The vine and the branches. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that does not bear fruit. But every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so this will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you will bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do as I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything I have learnt from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my Father's name will give you. This is my command, love each other. Great, so this week we're going to look at I am the true vine. But rather than me preaching, we've got Greg from the church. Thanks, Greg. Good morning, Redeemer family. Brittany and I and our five kids certainly do miss the fellowship of believers and wish, as you do, that uh, we were together right now, gathering uh, somewhere, uh, anywhere, um, and opening up this word and worshiping together. But we thank God uh, the ability to do it um, over video. And I, I do pray that that you're reading God's story. It's, it's one story. And I pray you're reading that story more than any other book or story that uh, you're diving into over this quarantine. And today we're in this really, really popular passage, John 15, that you've already heard. And Jesus refers to himself as the true vine that you have to be attached to if you're going to bear fruit. And he refers to the gardener as as, as God, um, his father. And I wonder if you knew, I did some study, that the garden supply industry has blown up during this pandemic. And all these stores, any store, DIY or whatnot, that sells gardening supplies is selling more than they ever have in their history. And we've uh, contributed, the Burton family has, 
to that, and we hope it makes you Brits proud as we have purchased a starter plot at the allotment uh, across the street. And Brittany, um, notice I said Brittany has spent considerable time there, and we have planted everything from beetroot and carrots to tomatoes and pumpkins. Now, I don't know if it's because it's a starter plot and we're being judged on whether we get anything or not, or just that she's serious about producing something, but uh, she's taking great care and daily thinking about what needs to be done uh, to nurture those plants, to assure that uh, fruit and veg is received and, and, and birthed. Now, think about this for a moment. Brittany goes to the allotment, and those tomato branches can speak, and they say, Brittany, we got it. You don't have to come here anymore. We can bear fruit on our own. We'll get some good tomatoes. You don't have to come. We got it. Well, that's crazy. There's going to be no tomatoes ever on that vine. It's going to die. And it's no different than uh, my four-year-old. We play a game um, and we go on trips. We pack our, our bags and we think up imaginary places to go and, 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 and we go. Um, down the street, uh, up and back. Um, but what if she packed her bag and, and said, Daddy, I'm going. I'm, I'm going on a trip. And she does, and she goes. That's not going to end well for her. Uh, she needs her father with her to make sure that that goes okay. Y you can't truly live, we're being told today, the life that was intended for you without the Father God, without being connected to His Son Jesus that He sent. And in all of the I Am passages that we've looked at through this Gospel of John, Jesus is always pointing back to the Father. He's always talking about His allegiance to the Father God. And like the perfect, obedient Son, He even says in, in John 6, which we studied, I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of the Father who sent me. And where we find ourselves today in John 15, Jesus is only hours away. You got to hear that. He's only hours away as he's talking to his disciples. Hours away from fulfilling the plan, fulfilling the plan that God set in motion way back, way back, that we can read about in Genesis 3. And let's not forget, Jesus knows that this plan is going to include betrayal by one of his closest disciples, Judas. His closest friends, the other guys, they'll run as soon as he's arrested. And a brutal, lonely, torturous death awaits him on the cross. Jesus knew from the very beginning how this was going to end. How do we know that? Well, in Genesis 1.26, you don't have to go there, it says, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Well, that us is the Father God and His Son Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And they all have a part in restoring and, and, and bringing forth this image of God that's in every single created being. You see, if my father walked into this room and was standing right here beside me, you would know that it's my father. And I had no choice in, in, in that, that I look like him, that I talk like him, that many have said that I walk and have mannerisms like that. I had no choice in that. 
But you see, there, there is a choice about whether this image of God is going to come forth. And the Holy Spirit is the only way that that can be activated through my choice to surrender and trust and cling to that vine, Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit to activate that God in us. And by the way, that is fruit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's the only way that we can live out this life of joy and peace and purpose that God intends for us. That's bearing fruit. That's the life that he intends for us. And there's no way we can do it on our own. It says we can do nothing without him. Raise your hand if you can roll up your sleeves and get patient this week. I'm not going to see you raise your hand, but just think about that. Think about if whether you can get peace that transcends understanding this week by trying real hard. Just think about saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try real hard to love my spouse better or to be more patient with my kids or to have more peace as I walk through trial. It doesn't happen. You have to cling to something. What are you trusting in to give you that? What are you clinging to to fulfill you in this life? You see, Jesus didn't have to die so we could try real hard. He didn't have to die so we could hold on to the life that we think is best for us. Comfort or riches or whatever else we're trying to fill our lives with. Jesus died to give us God's best. C.S. Lewis, who I I love and have read so much of, um, we've even talked about it in our gatherings before. He has this uh, analogy of a boy who's playing in a, a really cool wet, slimy mud puddle, and he's having the time of his life. He's having a great time, but his mom comes and says that she's going to take him to the sea for a time at the sea. And that little boy says, no, I just want to stay here in this mud puddle. That doesn't make any sense, but that is us. And that's what I want us to think about today is if what we're being offered is there and and we're staying here, just playing in our mud puddles, thinking that it's best. Last week in John 14, Pete talked about Jesus who said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. Jesus is the only way to be reconciled to the Father, the only way. You have to be connected to Jesus. John 6 says this, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life. If you're watching this today, and we don't know each other, and we've never seen each other, if you knock on my door today and want to come into my house, you're probably not going to get in. But if my Son shows up with you and says, Daddy, I know Him. He's with me. You'll probably get in. You'll probably have access. That's that's John 14. That's access to the Father. you got to have the Son. If you don't have the Son, you can't get to the Father. And just as I control access to my home, the Father, God controls access to the garden. What is planted? What goes into the ground? And what bears fruit? 
There's a garden in the Bible, which you see many instances with garden. There's probably something important happening. Remember that first garden? Adam and Eve, they were loved. They were provided for. They were given life and peace and purpose and provision. But it wasn't enough. They wanted more. And in Genesis 3, we have this exchange. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God. He was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden after they sinned. Yeah, they're hiding behind trees from God. That's like my four-year-old with her hands over her face saying, Daddy, you can't see me. You can't see me. And then in Genesis 3, the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And that's like me saying, oh, I can't see you. God knew. And the man answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid and, and God said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Have you disobeyed? And the father already knew. The father already knew. And then they shifted blame. He said, it's her fault. And she said, it's the Satan's fault. It's, it's his fault. But because of this disobedience, this fall, this deception, this not seeing that God is enough, the Lord banished them from his fellowship. They cut, they were cut off from his fellowship. And while this seems elementary to many, this story, this is us. And we have to consider today whether we're telling Jesus, who's the true vine in John 15, that we have to be connected to him to have an abundant life. Are we, are we telling him that we got it? Are we telling him that his way is not good enough? If this is eternity, then we're just babies Anyway, and if we're like our kids saying, I got it, and I'll take care of my own life, then we're just missing it. I remember the first time holding one of my daughter's hands when we were at the ocean, but we, we weren't there yet. We walked up a street and, and took a left. We had to walk over a little bridge to get to the ocean and and, and we'll start walking over this little bridge and we still can't see it. But when we get to the top and, and we can see and hear the ocean, I keep walking and she stops. And I look back and she's just in awe. And she's overwhelmed by what she sees and what she hears, this awesome ocean that's there. You see, to say, God, I got it. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to take care of my own life. It's like being at the sea and sticking your head in the sand and pretending that that amazingly powerful ocean is not there. And here's the bad news for, for all who are doing that, who are saying, I got it. To John 15, 2, it says every branch that doesn't bear fruit is cut off just like in the beginning, cut off from fellowship forever. And in verse 5, it says, I'm the vine, and unless we abide in him, we can do nothing. You see, I've always read 
verse 5 as and been taught rightly that we can do nothing of eternal value, eternal worth without being tied to the vine, without the Holy Spirit leading us. And it's true. But what God showed me this past couple weeks is that this without me you can do nothing is also referring to this notion that's in so many of us, maybe, maybe so watching today, that we can find a way to God on our own, that we can find a way to fellowship with Him on our own, that we can maybe do enough to please Him on our own, or maybe that we've not done enough. That we'll be okay maybe doing our own thing. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. And it's the same lie believed in the beginning in Genesis 3 when Satan said, did God really say that? Did God really mean that? You see, that lie is still being perpetrated today. Is God really who he says he is? Is Jesus really who he says he is? You see, if me or you, or my kids, if we don't bear fruit with our lives, if we don't surrender our lives to Christ, we'll stay for eternity cut off from God. But you don't have to. Jesus tells his disciples that he has to go so he can come and always be with us. He explains this in John 12 and other places, but in John 12, he says this, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it's just a seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds and much fruit. Now stay with me here. In Genesis 3, just after the fall, and God breaks fellowship with his people because of what they chose, he's still a loving father. And he already has a plan in place because he tells Satan, that great tempter, that great liar. And he tells him about a seed. And you can go read about it in Genesis 3.15. This seed that will be born from a woman that will crush the head of Satan. You see, the seed is Jesus the seed is, is that man, Jesus, in John 15 that, that we see telling his disciples to abide in him, telling him that he's the only way to real fruitful life. And just shortly after he tells them this, he finds himself in another garden where he's betrayed by Judas. And, and hours later, he dies on a cross. You see, Jesus, the seed, dies but he doesn't stay dead. He rises from the dead. And he ascends into heaven and he sits down. And that's important that he sits at the right hand of the Father. Because he sits, meaning his work is done. And they sent the Holy Spirit to his followers. And they're yearning to be connected to him again. And when they receive this Holy Spirit, and they're given this new life that we also can have. They remember what he said. He told them he was going to send it. And like a good teacher, he told them many times that he'd always be with them. And he explained it to them and explained it to them, and then he does it. 
And he came to them and he told them what to do. And in, in, in the end of this passage, John 15, he, in, in verse 27, he says, go testify about me when you receive this Holy Spirit. And did they do it? Yeah. Because they did it and others received it and did it and others received it and did it. And we're still doing it today, praying that the Holy Spirit will work through us will work in us so that we might look and and be seen as attractive, that people might want some of the qualities that the Holy Spirit has raised up in us. And they might experience that love and that peace and that joy and that patience, those fruits of the Spirit through us. And the Holy Spirit might enter them. He's waiting for us to receive them, if you haven't. At my last uh, ministry that we uh, led, there was uh, a really vibrant refugee ministry, a ministry to refugee kids that we had, and, and it was called the Read and Swim program, and, and we, we taught these young kids who didn't speak good English, we taught them to read, and then uh, if they did enough reading classes, then they earned time in, in, in the pool at, um, at our facility. And these kids had never swam before. And when they saw that pool on those hot North Carolina summer days, and I remember the first time that we had a big group of them, they saw the pool. They didn't know that that pool, although it looked so good and and they they knew it was going to feel good maybe because they heard about it. Well, a few of them ran and just jumped in. And that was to our horror, obviously. And we had to pull them out. And then we wanted them to be a part of this. So, so we lined up counselors around uh, the pool. And, 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 and we thought, one of our counselors said, well, let's just give them vests. And so once we decided to give all these kids life vests, and they could just run and dive into the pool, oh, the joy. The joy on their faces. These kids have never been in a pool before to experience that kind of joy. You see, that's the joy that awaits you if you surrender your life to Jesus. And I I don't know whether you are listening today or watching today and you've been in church your whole life, but you've never experienced that joy. It's waiting for you. Maybe you've never even considered this God that that created you and, 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 and has a life that's more abundant, more purposeful than you ever imagined. And it's waiting for you. Consider it today. He's waiting for you to run to him. Because regardless of where you are, There's a Father God who's in control, and He's been in control since the very beginning, and He wants you to come to Him today. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your great love for us since the beginning of time, Lord, and thank you for your patience as you wait, as you wait 
for us to come to you and for others to come to you and know you and receive the life that you offer them through trust in Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Might we see many choose that today. In Christ's name, amen.